Welcome everyone to the Inspirational Businesswoman Show, where today I'll be featuring Dr. Amanda Kemp, and we'll be discussing heart-based racial justice, how white women can authentically connect with women of color. Hi everyone, welcome to the Inspirational Businesswoman Show. I'm your host, Virginia Parsons, and it really is my passion to provide you, the viewer, with a goldmine of inspirational tips, strategies, and advice to help you grow your business and grow your life from Inspirational Businesswoman in the Know. And so I'm very excited to be sharing a wonderful conversation with Dr. Amanda Kemp with you. And we'll be getting started in just a moment. Now I'm going to play the preview trailer so you see what this discussion is all about. And if you, while you're watching the trailer, think of someone who might benefit by this information, please go ahead and let them know about it. Just help spread the word and we'll be getting started with the interview in just a moment. So I'm excited about this topic today, but before we get started, I just want to share with you that today's show is sponsored by hangout-marketing.com, where you can take advantage of a complimentary live stream marketing assessment. And why might you want to take that assessment? Well, because live stream really is the fastest way to establish the no trust and like factor and to brand grow and market your business. This assessment will only take you a couple of moments and you might even qualify for a complimentary shine session with me. So to take advantage of it, all you have to do is text pound success to 775-800 4179. Or if you're out of the United States, you can go to hangout-marketing.com and take that assessment. Now let's get started by introducing you to Dr. Amanda Camp. 
Today I'll be speaking with Dr. Amanda Kemp about heart-based racial justice and how white women can transform their conversations about racism. Amanda created Racial Justice from the Heart, programs to help provide insights and strategies for creating social justice and a shared sense of community as we all tackle racial bias as a society. Now this important interview will help guide us on how to better connect and have effective conversations about racism. Dr. Kemp will discuss number one, transforming hidden racial bias. Number two, forming strong relationships between women of color and white women. And three, mindfulness and racial justice. Dr. Amanda Kemp is the best-selling author of Say the Wrong Thing, Stop Being Afraid, and Black Girl Magic. She is a multi-award-winning professor, a speaker, and trainer on implicit racial bias and how to have difficult conversations about racism. She's a powerful voice and guide to this much needed discussion during these very challenging times. So Dr. Amanda, welcome to the show. So Amanda, one of the first things I always like for our viewers to understand is about your background. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have such a rich background, so many stories. Can you just share a few of them that you think will really be impactful for our viewers today? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So in 2015, I got an email from my son. I was reading it at work. He apparently wrote it like in the wee hours of the morning. And the email made me weep. Basically, my son let me know how seeing all the social media images and, you know, the uh, articles about uh, police killing of young black men and boys was affecting him, that he was starting to feel overwhelmed and um, powerless. And uh, he let me know that he had broken down, crying, punching a tree. I mean, he just let me know all this stuff that was happening for him. And he was 16 at the time. And I had sent him away to a Quaker boarding school to keep him safe, to give him a good space to learn, to be a kid. And that email let me know that he was suffering and that propelled me to want to do better, to be more effective, to be less fearful. And um, that ultimately became a part of my book, um, Stop Being Afraid uh, and Say the Wrong Thing. So as a mother, I often reach out when I talk to women of European descent to white women. And I say, I, I wanna talk to those of you who are mothers. I really wanna talk to that heart in you. And I wanna say, you have a special role to play, to step in for other people's children. And my experience is that when I talk to women who are mothers, like heart to heart like that, we all start crying because we know that what do you love more than your children? What do you feel, you know, wish you could do better for, you know, what keeps us up at night? Um, and when we think about 
each other's children suffering or being harmed, it like opens up our hearts. And that's where racial justice from the heart can go to work is when people are willing to open their hearts and to make a connection and to see things about themselves that they have never seen before or find hard to accept. This is so important. You know, yeah. uh, what I find interesting, and we have so much to talk about in so little time, but we're gonna do the best we can to really get started here today. But what I find interesting is that even for you as a mom who's very aware and really very connected, you didn't realize the depth of uh, fear and um, concern and and actually sort of an overwhelmed feeling that your son had and, until he's 16 and, and finally expresses it to you. And I think this must be exemplary of what's going on for so many people. And I love that you are approaching it from the mother and the heart-centered perspective, because I agree with you that everybody can connect with this. Although we all, and women of European descent, we all need to take another look at this and how it's impacting not only us in relationships, but also how it's been pervasive throughout society. So I am just so glad to have you here today to share with us and guide us and inform us so that we can make wiser decisions as white women and as white society in general. So let's get started with all that we can possibly uh, incorporate into this interview today. Now, I know you first said that we have a lot of hidden biases, all of us, Yes. And there are ways for us to transform it. So let's start first by talking about these hidden biases, and then maybe we can move into how to transform it. Great. So the first thing we need to realize about hidden racial bias is that it's happening automatically in the brain. It is automatic, unconscious, and often contrary to what we would say our stated values are. You know, so my stated value might be that I value each person or that I want every mother's child to have safety, food, a chance to grow, a sense of themselves as, as being blessed and powerful and, you know, a, 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 a contribution to society, right? I say that and I do mean that. And on an unconscious level, there may be things that I do based on how I've been conditioned by our society based on my education, my exposure to mass media that lead me to perceive uh, some people, and in the United States context, we're talking about darker skinned people as somehow less than, um, maybe less than, less intelligent or, le or more likely to commit a crime or less likely to be well-spoken or there are these automatic associations that our brains make because um, we're digesting, they say, 11 million pieces of data each moment. The brain has to automate. But because of our exposure and our conditioning in a white-dominated society, it's automating <laughs> to reinforce white domination and to uh, marginalize people of color. So what we do in our programming is... Um, 
introduce people to five steps that they can take. I have 10 hands, but there are only five steps that people can take to um, alter that programming and to bring their hearts online because your brain is mighty, but as they say, the brain is a terrible master, but a beautiful servant. And in our reckoning, the brain needs to come at the service of the heart. Whoa, thank you for that. Let's just pause right there and realize that the heart is really what guides us, but the brain can misdirect us because we don't realize that we have been programmed. Nobody even thinks about the fact that we've been programmed. It's so inherent in our culture, in our um, upbringing, perhaps going back, and I shouldn't say perhaps, definitely going back generations. Yeah. And, uh, and not only I as a white woman, but I'm gonna, and you can sure correct me on this if you want, but I feel like it's, it's pervasive in the colored community as well. Women mm. of color have their own biases and we all have to get rid of these. We all have to give ourselves permission to become aware of them, number one, and number two, say, I'm not living by that anymore. And as you say, going into the heart, would you wanna comment on that? Yeah, so I, women of color, people of color, we do have our own work to do because we're also conditioned by this society. So if you look at the research of a doctor named Elizabeth Chapman, she has found that um, people of color have also in, in, uh, internalized racial biases against themselves and other people of color to a lesser extent than people of European descent, but it still shows up in her research. So we have work to do. And that work is actually ongoing. Just like um, when you wanna be healthy, you can't just eat one meal and then for the rest of your life, you're gonna be healthy. You gotta eat, you know, daily, or if you're on that uh, special diet, you know, every couple of days, but you gotta put something in there that's good for you, right? So in Racial Justice from the Heart, we say, the first step is to become aware that you've got this automatic conditioning. And then the second step is to remove things from your diet from your conditioning that reinforce uh, white domination or the marginalization of people of color. So this is the same two steps for people of color and for people of European descent. And once you've done some of that removal work, then you create space on your walls, in your mind to add in. And what do we want you to add in? We want you to add in uh, audio, visual practices that actually, um, promote positive associations with people of color, that, um, that promote empathy, connection um, with people of color. Um, and after you've done those three steps, then we say, go towards what you fear. If you've been raised to fear people who look like you, um, it, or if you've been raised to fear people who are darker than you, Part of your work is to go towards those communities. And we show you how, because there's some respectful, mutual ways to go toward, um, rather than coming from a savior position or an exploitative position. And then finally, the fifth step for us is to break the silence, to start talking about implicit racial bias, to start talking about what you notice in yourself, to start talking about steps you're taking 
So we, so that people around us, our networks start to appreciate that you can't just say, oh, I'm not racist. You actually have to engage in um, active resistance and uh, transformation of yourself to really be someone who is saying and walking in the same direction. So important, Dr. Amanda. Uh, I think that part of this is that we may fear saying the wrong thing. We may not be clear on how we can move into that, that type of a, a conversation, that type of a contribution and moving into more of a state of active engagement in this process. And so thank you for starting with those, those steps. I think there's more that you've talked about around this as well, that there's ways to prepare for a conversation, for connecting. There's ways to prepare, there's ways to do it more effectively during a conversation. And then there's some things that we should pay attention to after a conversation. Can you share some of that with us? Yes. So the first practice that we we teach and we suggest and, you know, we have it available for folks without charge is holding space for transformation. So this is not something I made up. This is something that was I first was introduced to by my mentor, Neona Span. And basically it's coming from cultivating the ability, the capacity to come from unconditional love and unconditional acceptance without surrendering the ground of justice. It's like grounding yourself in unconditional love and unconditional acceptance. Don't worry about having to relinquish justice. Trust and know that when you come from there, that it's going to lead you in the direction of justice. So um, we recommend that before you actually have difficult conversations about racism, that you prepare yourself, that you um, ask yourself some questions like, what is my intention? Am I in the space where I can have this conversation and be present? Or am I wounded? Am I super angry? Do I have to use a bathroom? Like, do not take conversations about racism lightly. You know, you want to be grounded, focused, but relaxed so that you can engage with someone in a way that invites them to share with you. And your listening can transform what someone uh, says. How you listen can help them to um, reflect on what they're saying and say, well, you know, I've actually had someone in a conversation say, I don't know what I'm talking about, Amanda. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> can, you, can you help me out? So that's, those are just a few things I would offer. Okay, so I'm going to sort of recap what I think I just heard, and then you can let me know if I heard it and leaned in far enough as far as that's concerned. But it starts with each one of us has to come from a place of unconditional love and acceptance. And when we embody that, which to me means coming from the heart and then being open to hear. And also I'm thinking open to hear 
from not even our perspective. When you come from a place of unconditional love and acceptance, you're just open to hear no matter what and be aware of someone else's perspective and then yeah. come from a place of acceptance with that. Non-judgmental mm -hmm. is, am I, am I on this right? Cause yes. that's part of having yeah. a conversation. <laughs> it is. And it's uncommon because usually we're trained if we're academia, we're trained to look for the holes in the argument. And if we're trained as just human beings, we're trained to look for where they're right, where they're wrong, and where I'm right. You know what I mean? Our, our minds are so active. And what I'm saying is that when you've done the work on implicit racial bias, then you're ready to start having conversation. When you've done the work on your implicit racial bias, then you have the humility and the uh, grounding to have these conversations about race and racism in a different way. Anybody can have a debate have a winner, have a loser, be a ping pong match. I'm just not interested. I'm 54 years old. My son wrote me that email. I am not interested in quote, winning. I'm interested in transformation. And to do that, we have got to go from here to here where this leads and this follows. And that is unusual that takes some practice some guidance some support because it is it is almost nowhere no institutions in our lives are going to reinforce that kind of approach yeah i i'm so connected with what you're saying right now and understand how incredibly important this approach is yeah, because it's not about winning a debate. It's about deepening understanding. It's about opening yourself to be compassionate and then asking the questions about how we all can make a bigger difference. So that kind of leads to the second topic. At least I think that's where we're headed at this point. And that is how can white women create deeper connections, more authentic connections with women of color. Thank you. So the first step for that really is to be willing to engage with and investigate your own implicit racial bias to start to uh, see and undo your conditioning. Because if you don't do that work first, then what's gonna happen is you may be tense, you're afraid of making a mistake, afraid of saying the wrong thing, um, or completely oblivious and saying whatever comes to mind without any idea of how it might impact someone who has been dominated or in some way harmed by a white dominated society. So the first step really is to do your work so that you can be the partner, the friend, the teacher, the volunteer, the philanthropist, whatever it is that you're, however you're trying to express yourself. You've got to do that work first, because then you can show up in a way that is truly helpful, connecting, honoring, respectful, etc. And I imagine in doing that work, this is, as you say, not showing up one day and identifying it and saying, oh, yeah, I guess that is something that's implicit within um, my background and my upbringing. 
and I wasn't aware of, uh, but it goes so much deeper. To me, this is almost like peeling off layers of an onion. And you find one thing that's that's an implicit bias, and then, oh, there's another way it reflects itself. So this is an ongoing uh, journey, I think, for all of us. And number one, being aware, but then what do you do with that awareness? You can't yeah. come to a conversation without starting with the awareness and accepting it. But now what do we do with that awareness? Now, audit your environment. Audit what kinds of visual audio stuff are you, you know, eating, consuming, posting, reposting? What does your bedroom look like? What does your office look like? What books are you reading? I mean, there is con there are concrete steps you can take. And the first one is to remove stuff in your environment that is reinforcing uh, white domination or the exclusion of or the marginalization of people of color. I like taking this pause. I like just absorbing what you're saying and then reflecting on it. And so the next question I'm gonna ask around that is, we have to become aware of our environment. It's one more step of the onion. We have to become aware, as you say, of what kind of things you might be posting or you might be liking or and how that might be reflecting on other people or other women of color. It's just such an important process that so often we don't even pay attention to. We're just caught up in our day-to-day -day lives. And until we know directly it's negatively impacted someone, it's it's a challenge. And I know that that's part of what what really your gift is to everybody is to help people understand that this is a process and to go through it with not only compassion for all races, but to go through it with compassion for yourself too. That that's what brings everything into the heart so that we all can connect on a deeper level and communicate more deeply. So I really appreciate having this conversation with you. And I know it's probably not the last we'll be having. <laughs> At least I'm hoping not. So what else is it that you would like us to understand about the communication process? Um, I know, for instance, that I've, I've heard that we don't ask for what to do, that, that you have been through enough and it's a lot of work and that we need to do our own homework. But can you give me a little more guidance on that? Yeah. So um, oftentimes people of color will say, okay, don't make me do the work for you. I don't, I'm not your teacher. Um, friends, colleagues, you know, uh, fellow church members, temple members, and understandably, because people are dealing with the, the difficult circumstances of their lives, right? And then they maybe have a lot of clueless white people who are asking them, show me the way. So here's what I recommend. I actually recommend you go to somebody who wants to teach you. There are people out there who actually want to work with white women and men or men and um, help them come to uh, some awareness and help them put practices in place in their lives. There are resources for you. And 
racial justice from the heart is just one of them, but it's a good one. <laughs> so you could just start there. <laughs> but that's what I recommend is don't go to your, don't lean on your family and friends of color. Really go to somebody who's saying, who's hung out their shingle and says, hey, I'm willing, I'm signed up. So what you bring to your family and friends of color is your, your growing awareness, is your uh, commitment um, rather than this sort of open thing that says, feed me, feed me, that people feel overwhelmed by or kind of like suck dry by. So I will say this, in Racial Justice from the Heart, our mentorship team is multiracial. African-American, Asian-American, uh, Latin-American, um, what's that leave out? European-American, it's multiracial. And we um, have people mentor other folks inside their ethnic group and outside their ethnic group. So I think it's really important actually for people of European descent to also turn towards each other and turn, turn towards other people of European descent who are farther along in the journey than themselves. Uh, because you're inside of whiteness in a way that I have never been and I will never be because of the way I look and because of um, my own conditioning, which is a whole nother ball of wax. So it's important for for white women to be in conversation and have some guidance from other white women who are a little bit further along the way. All right, so we know that there's a lot of work to be done. And I think that leads us into the third phase of the conversation here, and that is around mindfulness. Hmm. Mindfulness and racial justice. What do you want us to know about that? <sighs> I want you to know that I couldn't do this work if I didn't have a mindful self-compassion practice. The reason why so many people of color, I think, especially Black people, are often uh, burnt out, angry, despairing, is because we don't have good self-care and uh, self-compassion practices built into our daily lives. When I started to do mindful self-compassion practices, things changed for me dramatically. All of a sudden, being here wasn't so difficult to get to, and it wasn't just a place of pain to avoid. Here is also greenness. And uh, to cultivate that greenness here, takes mindful self-compassion practices. So I do a meta meditation. Again, we have that out there available for folks. We do holding space for transformation meditations. Uh, we do something called field flow. I mean, we are, we know that you are a body, a mind, a heart, and a spirit. And um, all of that needs to be tended to so that you can show up in alignment. So what you say and what you do and how you be are in alignment. None of us is perfect. I am not perfect. I am constantly learning and growing. But the practice keeps me in this with a sense of um, well-being, with some access to joy. 
without denying, you know, what is unjust or what's wrong or what's suffering. So well said. Mindfulness, access to joy without denying that there is suffering out there. And I think that's something that's going to help keep all of us balanced. And as you say, yes. in connection and in a place of healing, mm. because we have to have that, that inner love and acceptance and through that flow compassion in a way that's going to open things up for everybody. And as a result, lead to more social justice, more racial justice, um, more intimate connections with people, more authentically aligned, as you say. So I really love what you're saying. I love your message. But I also know we have to decide what active steps can we take that move beyond just having the connection and the conversation. Do you have some guidance for us there? Yeah. So we start with awareness. That really is the first step. And how you build your awareness is you take stuff down and you put stuff in that's going to shape you up. So for example, who are you listening to for your news? Do you know there's something called good black news that's out there that's not about horrible things happening to black people? <laughs> you should check that out. Or uh, who are the experts that you go to? When you think about getting a lawyer or an accountant or a dentist, do you think, hmm, here's an opportunity for me to diversify my life and make sure that I'm not living in a white bubble? Who is out there? Because when you um, put your money into uh, black and brown people's hands, that money then goes into other black and brown communities. So it helps to shift the economic in, uh, disparity. So I really think the first step is to, um, is that awareness and to look at what are you putting in and to take out the stuff that isn't serving you and to put in the stuff that's gonna be more in line with your values and take you out of, if you live in a white bubble, that's gonna take you out of the white bubble. Beautiful. So no, I did not know about Good Black News, but I do now, and the rest of you do now. So let's all go check that out for one thing. And uh, yes, thinking about when you do need support in some way, how can you transfer that support to people of color so that you can help uplift their environment, their communities? And you know, it's just not hard to do, is it, Amanda? <laughs> No, I love it. It can seem overwhelming if you're like, how do I stop this crazy system from going? Like you asked that question. Now that's hard. But if you say, okay, take a breath. Okay. Now, what can I do? I can choose who I listen to, who I hire, who I pay money to. When I'm sitting in a board meeting, I can say, why does the board look this way? I can say, how do we know we're serving those people? And of the people we serve, what percentage of them are people of color? I can ask uncomfortable questions. Do you see what I'm saying? If you try to stay in the big amorphous zone, 
then you will stay in a place of maybe paralysis. Yeah, I'm going to add to that something when we talked previously that became so blatantly obvious to me and frustrated me. And that was when I was looking for images for, mm -hmm. you know, my work, my group is called the, this is a Facebook group called the Inspirational Entrepreneurs Group. And of course, that includes all people of color. It includes all different racial aspects. And I'm looking through the photos and I can't find very many photos that include that. And that was very frustrating to me. However, I have noticed it's changed some in the last year. And so I'm pleased about that. But those are just little things we can do. They're not hard to do. And if you can't find it in the paid images, I guess you got to go out and get some of your own. But, you know, that's a, a typical example of things that we can do within ourselves that are not difficult to do. They just take, as you say, pause, become aware of it and make a shift, something that we all can do. It, it kind of reminds me of that story. I'm sure you've heard it about rescuing um, the starfish off of a um, off of a shore. And there were so many of them. And they asked, well, why are you throwing these back? It can't make a difference for so many, but it makes a difference. We all can make a difference in other people's lives, one at a time. So I just um, feel like this is kind of the start of exploring the conversation and the shifts and changes that we all can make to make the society, our whole world, um, a better place for everybody. Um, a place where we all can live in freedom and have compassion, love, and as you say, come from the heart. And so I certainly don't want to stop the conversation. And I know that you have a very special gift for everyone who's viewing today that I think will help continue this conversation. So I want you to talk about that. I'm going to, first of all, Amanda, bring it up so people can see where to get it. Your gift can be found, everyone go to hmtips.com forward slash Amanda Gift. hmtips.com forward slash Amanda Gift. Amanda, can you tell people about this gift and why they ought to run on over and get it right away? I invite you to come to our How White Women Can Talk with Women of Color about Race Masterclass. It is a packed, 55 minute class on what you can do if you want to have more deeper relationships with women of color. So I invite you to come on in and check it out. Um, we look at um, mindset. We look at um, things that you might be doing unconsciously that would get in the way. Um, we look at ways that you can um, cultivate self-love and from that bed of love come forth in a way that makes you attractive and um, uh, open to women of color. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful experience and we'd love you to join us. It sounds like the perfect way to get really started understanding how to go through this. Uh, Amanda is an absolute expert. Go to hmtips.com forward slash Amanda gift and take part in that fabulous training she's got for us. Amanda, thank you so much for being here with us today. 
bring you yeah. up. There we go. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And before we leave, I always love to get kind of that final word. If there was one thing, one pack your bag moment you want people to take home with you today, what do you want to say? Here's a saying. <clears throat> if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with the community. I recommend that you don't try to do this alone. Get with the community. Beautiful. If you want to go far, go with the community. Thank you so much, Dr. Amanda Kemp, for being here with us today, sharing your wisdom, your experience, and your guidance. We are so appreciative. And for everyone who's joined us, if you found this information valuable and uplifting, please help us spread the word. Please share this with people who know would benefit. We would be so grateful for that. And we appreciate you as our audience. Please leave any comments that you have and we'll be happy to respond to them. We really appreciate all of your time and caring. Dr. Amanda, once again, thank you so much for being here with us today. And we will see you all on the next Inspirational Businesswoman Show. Bye-bye now. Thanks so much for watching today. Do you know someone who would be a great guest for our show? Or would you like to be a guest on the Inspirational Businesswoman Show? Let's shine the spotlight on your expertise. We'll share your story while offering tips, strategies, and advice to our viewers. Expert interviews are a great way to build your reputation as the go-to expert. Go to shinetips.com forward slash IBWS to apply today. Women are waiting for your message and I can't wait to interview you.